Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Aiton and Mike Duffy. Hello and welcome to Voices of the Vic with me, Mike Duffy, and as always, Ben Aiton. Ben? How are you doing this Saturday afternoon as we record this podcast? Yeah, doing all right, mate. Um, went out this morning with my little family, went pumpkin picking um, just off the M1 junction, um, which was which was nice to uh, do. Lots of little families up there, which is nice to see. Uh, yeah. But yeah, come come back and watch the Watford game and it was going all right, weren't it? Until <laughs> right of a death. <laughs> yeah. Um, but other than that, all good my end. How are you, mate? Good, good. Yeah, no, uh, I'm I'm good, mate. Yeah, um, yeah. It's been a it's been a bit weird with lockdown and and, and stuff. Um, for those that might have seen on my personal Twitter, but um, yeah, no, it's it. All in all, it's going well. Just a shame we couldn't get the the, the three points that we uh that we needed today. But I suppose before the match, would you have taken a draw, knowing us or some Bournemouth tend to sort of slog out draws pretty much all the time. You know, it's that would you, wouldn't you sort of thing. So, a um, little bit disappointing because I think we had the, the better of the chances, but we'll get on to that. But all in all, I suppose it wasn't a loss. So, we, we can sort of say that. But, um, yeah. It just feels it, like a loss, doesn't it? Oh, mate. Last minute equalisers always do feel like a loss. Yeah. It was an absolute killer. Um, as always, we'll obviously start with the with the team news. We'll dive straight into it. So there were three changes from the team that beat Blackburn on Wednesday night. So the first change was Ngakia coming in for Kiko Femenia. The second change was Trooster Kong coming in for Ben Wilmot, which we'll get onto in a minute. And then the third change was Paritza coming in for Pedro, which the Ngakia for Kiko and Paritza for Pedro, I can understand. I can also understand Trooster Kong coming in. But did you see Wilmot being the man that was going to be taken out, Ben? Um, I, I wasn't really expecting Wilmot to come out, no. Um, I was fully expecting Cathcart to come out because I thought the last couple of games, his performances hasn't been... He's done all right, but he's, he's yeah. not been brilliant. Um, Wilmot's definitely been performing better than Cathcart. Um, but um, you've got... You got um, 
think that Vich is being careful with the young players, isn't he? Rotation's <laughs> going to be massive this season. Um, we've we've got so I think we've got three consecutive week games in a row. Um, so we've already had one. We've yep. got enough Wickham coming up, and then we've got another one following up after that. So I think Vich is just trying to be careful. He's protecting these young players, like he rested uh, in Gakia, um Wednesday night against Blackburn. So he's obviously rested Pedro today and rested Wilmot because he, he knows how important. Uh, further down the line these young players are going to be for us so I can kind of see it from that um, point of view for him but yeah a bit of a shock to see that um, Wilmot did come out because I was expecting Cathcart um, to slot out of the side yeah, um, you know, we, we spoke about this when the team was announced uh, and we spoke about it before the team was announced as well. Uh, we spoke at length this morning about who may come in. I think we both expected Trooster Kong to, to be playing. The only reason yeah. he wouldn't play was as if would be if that injury kept him out that he maybe sustained against Derby. But I think we both sort of agreed on the fact that Trooster Kong was going to be playing. But yeah. we we both agreed that it was probably Cathcart that was going to be making way. So to see Wilmot come out is a, a, a sort of thing about rotation. Because as you say, we've got consecutive midweek games coming up. We've, we've had the one against Blackburn. We've now got Wickham on Tuesday. Then we've got Derby on the Saturday, uh, not Derby, sorry, Barnsley on the Saturday. And then after that, on the Wednesday, we've got Stoke at home. So the, the fixtures are coming thick and fast. So a little bit, you know, interesting to see Wilmot um, making play there. I, I definitely thought Cathcart would be the one, as you say. He wasn't the best against Blackburn. I think uh, Armstrong sort of had his number for most of the game. And uh, ben, ben Foster quite, humorously alluded to that in his post-match interview with Hive Live and Emma Saunders. Um, but nonetheless, you know, he come in and let, might as well continue speaking about Trooster Kong. I thought he had an absolutely superb game. Yeah, I thought he was magnificent. Really solid defender. I didn't think he really gave any Bournemouth attackers a sniff all game. No. Um, very strong as well. Um he bullied Solanke when um, Solanke came on. Solanke's not he's not lightweight, is he? He's quite a no. big lad as well. Yeah. But he, he made um, he looked like he was a bit featherweight um, for Solanke. Uh, but yeah, very impressed with Truce Econ. Um, yeah. Another good performance in a Watford shirt. Well, there's another defender as well, which if you follow us on social media, which we're hoping you guys do, but uh, you would have seen a, a tweet that Ben put out on the social media account. Um, another defender, Ben, Christian Cabaselli. How good was he today? Absolutely outstanding. Um, yeah. Hold hold my hands up. I think you hold your hands up too. Yeah. We, we've we've both said that Cabaselli, he's got a mistake in him. He's a liability at times. Um, but credit where credit's due. Um, absolutely outstanding today. I thought he was magnificent. I thought he was probably the, the better defender on the pitch. I thought I thought Cathcart was outstanding as well. Uh, True yep. Econ was good. But if there was if you was picking one out of them three. Who, who performed better? It was Cabaselli, hands down. He he looked he looked well up for it today, and he it was just outstanding, wasn't he? Um, yeah. You could see that. He, I think um, towards the end he conceded a corner and he like slapped the turf of the ground. It's like he did a brilliant defending, but yeah. he was disappointed that he gave the ball out for a corner, and that's the kind of mentality you want to see, isn't it? Absolutely. That that's the the, the mentality that we didn't see the sort of back in the last season. Well. I suppose, in all of last season. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll, 
I was going to wait a little bit to talk about this, but I, 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 I don't want this whole podcast to be sort of us moaning about decisions and, and stuff like that. But it's so hard to sort of just brush them under the carpet. It seems to be a common theme, Ben. Whenever we play Bournemouth, it, I, I don't know what it is, but the referees that we get, uh, and listen, I'm not one to slag off referees. I, I, I refereed for a, a number of years, a few years ago. So, you know, I've got nothing but respect for, for referees. But it's so hard to sit here and sort of try and maybe defend them when you've got challenges going in like they were today and challenges which weren't punished. And the one that I'm going to start off, I'm sure you know which one I'm on about, Ben, Lloyd Kelly... I don't know how long in, probably first five minutes, was it? Maybe first, even first that. First minute. First minute. Yes. Yeah, first how is that minute. not a red card, Ben? I, I, I know this is a Watford podcast, so we, we may be a little bit biased, but I think even a neutral watching that, and is this maybe a downfall of not having VAR? Because I certainly think if VAR was in action, that was a red card all day long and twice on the Sunday. Yeah, I want to get your point of view on this as well. Like you've touched upon, you've refereed before in the past um, back in Birmingham. Is it too early for referees to send off? Because my, uh, my thinking was that he saw it and he was like, oh, it's only 60 seconds into a game. I can't send him off, surely. I'm, I'm not having this, right? So for those that don't know, um, when you do your refereeing course, and like I say, I think I qualified as a referee, I think it was six or seven years ago. So I don't know how much the, the, the test and the, the, the course has changed since then. But certainly when I did my referees course, they said, you set your own tolerance level as a referee. I'm not having this rubbish that, referees are looking at the watch after seeing a horrendous foul and thinking, uh, there's only a minute gone, I'll let that one slide. If it's a red card offence, it's a red card offence. Like, yellow cards, I can sort of understand why they might think oh, it's too early to, for a yellow. But for fouls like that, I, you've got to stamp it out. Because if you let one ride, then you're sort of thinking... Uh, do I need to let another ride? And it sort of plays on your mind from the first minute. I know I, I can almost bet for a fact that Tim Robinson was still kicking himself that he didn't send off that player in the first minute. And that then affected him mentally going forward for the rest of the game. Because Lloyd Kelly was a very, very, very lucky man to still be on that pitch and to set up their equalising goal as well. Um, I, I'm not having this first minute too early to send someone off. If it's a red card, it's a red card in my eyes. Uh, and yeah, definitely. I, I don't know how he's got away with it. Like, and to, to be honest, I was more relieved that Saar was able to come back on because I thought he had a brilliant game. But he, I, I don't want to moan and harp on about it too much, Ben, but how much of a common theme is this now where we play Bournemouth and these decisions go against us, against specifically Bournemouth? Because remember, Lee Probert, the, the season we went up, I think, or in fact, no, it was the season before we went up under Sonino. Gabriel Angela, he was sent off in the first. I'm sure yeah, that was the first couple of minutes as well. Yeah. yeah. 
exactly. But it seems to be against Bournemouth. I don't know why they do not put a Premier League referee on a game like that. It's two teams. And I'm not saying it's because Watford and Bournemouth. I'm not trying to forge a rivalry, which some fans do. I'm not trying to play that. But it's two teams that have just come down from the Premier League. You stick a Premier League referee on it. You did not stick a select group two referee on it. I think that was very poor from the EFL. Uh, and I, I, I'm sure somebody may correct me, but thus far this season, we've not had a Premier League referee referee any of our games, uh, which perhaps the Blackburn game could have had one as well. And the reason I'm saying this is, obviously, for the stat pack that we do, I have to check, I, I usually check the referees and I check their sort of uh, history and when they last refereed Watford. Um, if you look at other games in the championship, every game has had a Premier League referee referee a championship game every week so far. And it, we've not had one. Reading and Wickham had one when they played, but we didn't have one today against Bournemouth. And I think decisions like that sort of show how much experience you need in the middle for a game like that. So I'm just really disappointed. But it was non-stop, wasn't it, Ben? Uh, it was, Saar yeah. was the first one I'm, I'm sure yeah it was, was. non-stop yeah. for the first minute it was that horrendous challenge from Lloyd Kelly on Saar he comes sliding in high uh, missed the ball completely and took um, Saar's knee out and that was a red card all day long I yeah. think just before half time you had Philip Bill, uh, Billing um, oh, throwing the elbow in Parisius' face yeah. um, second half I think Lloyd Kelly was very lucky to stay on the pitch again he should have got a second yellow card there for being last man for target down his mouth side on the edge of a penalty box. You also got um, Rico who kicked out uh, Ismail Saw. Um, yeah. he, he was on a yellow card. That should have been a second booking as well. It was just mistake after mistake after mistake for the officials. And yes, we we, we got away with one Wednesday night when we played back. But um, mm-hmm. Cabaselli, yes, he should have been sent off. But that's one decision. We had three or four against us today, which went against went against us. And at the end of the day, it's cost us three points. Yeah, it has. Uh, and, you know, you, you sort of knew from that moment when they got away with that. And because it's Bournemouth, you knew how this game was going to set out. Like, yes, we probably thought, OK, if we score, we're still not safe. You just knew that something was going to come back to bite us because the referee hadn't managed to send him off. And funnily enough, uh, this may make me sound ridiculously geeky and probably sound, make me sound like I, I don't have a social life and sort of look too far into it. But the fourth official, I don't know if anybody noticed, was the fourth was he was a referee that actually sent Perica off for an elbow in the Newport County game, Charles Breakspear. So we probably would have benefited with him on the pitch um, <laughs> instead of uh, instead of Tim Robinson. But uh, also interesting to point out, and again, I don't like to be harsh against referees, but Tim Robinson is from West Sussex, which is dangerously close to Bournemouth. Uh, well, Dorset, I, I should say. So uh, make of that what you will. But yeah, I, as soon as that sort of yellow card happened and he got away with one, you just thought that's going to come back to haunt us. Um it, it didn't take us long after that, though, Ben. Just 10 minutes after that, um, I just want to say, Craig Cathcart, he's got those sexy diags in his locker. What a diag. We usually used to see them from Kapoo, but he's just pinged this diag straight over to Saar. Saar in acres of space. And then Saar has produced, I think, a brilliant cross because he's weighted it perfectly. He's timed it perfectly. And 
that's what we need. Parizza is a different style of player, a different style of striker than Pedro is. Personally, I don't think Pedro would have got to that. And I don't know whether it's because of the height difference between Parizza and uh, Pedro, but Parizza's more, he's got sort of more of that poacher's instinct. But I think that was a brilliant finish from him to, to gamble on it as well. And his first goal for Watford as well, Ben. Yeah, absolutely brilliant to see. Um, just going back to the Cathcart diagonal ball, if you look back to last season, he actually pulled one out in his locker last season as well. Away at Spurs, he pulled out the diagonal ball across the Jan Matt. Jan Matt yeah. crossed it in and Decore popped it in. So that's that's the second time that we've seen that from uh, Craig Cathcart. So he has got that in his locker. Um, but yeah, fantastic play, wasn't it? Um, great um, diagonal ball. Amazing first touch from Ismail Saar. Um, uh, yeah, first touch and then crossed it straight away. Perfect delivery into Parisio, who showed great desire and movement to get away from Steve Cook and yeah slotted it away and like you say Parisi is a different type of striker to Joe Pedro and I think Wednesday night we saw one that there was a ball across the six yard box and um Joe Pedro went with his wrong foot if he went yeah. with, with his left foot he could have stuck it in it was identical um, but yeah Parisio stuck this one in the back of the net and yeah good to see that he got his first um, Watford goal but <sighs> Very unfortunate that he went off later on in the game. It looks like he um, dislocated his shoulder. Um, I've seen on social media afterwards that um, Ivic has came out and said that he has suffered a dislocated shoulder, but they've managed to pop it back in in the dressing room. So I don't know if that helps his recovery time or not, but it all depends on if it's damaged any ligaments and that. So, yeah, I wish wish him a speedy recovery. Yeah, me, because we've mentioned before on this podcast, and I've mentioned as well, and... I think he's going to be a really useful asset this season. You know, with with the rotation that we'll undoubtedly see and with the fixture congestion Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, etc. I think Perica is going to be one of those players that's going to come in and out the squad. And if he can sort of get a few goals when he makes those appearances, who knows? He could then sort of string a few appearances together. And I do think he looks very, very handy. So to see him later come off, um, it, it was a little bit disappointing. Um, although he does like to go down a little bit, doesn't he? Um, he he yeah. spent quite a lot of time on the floor. Is that not really what you want to see? Uh, he made a hash out of one tackle. He was down for quite some time, but he did about oh, yeah. four, Ch- four rolls. Cleverly chased up, yeah, cleverly chased the ball yeah. um, up the other end of the pitch, didn't he? Yeah, um, to right. try and get Bournemouth to kick the ball out of play because they was refusing to, and then he uh, conceded a foul. But yeah, Parisio just jumped straight back up. You'd imagine for a big striker like Parisio, he won't fall to the floor as easily like he did um, today. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's uh, I, I don't know. Diego Fabrini vibes, I suppose. <laughs> uh, he loved. He spent more time on the floor than he did on his feet. But uh, one player, I, I don't like doing this because you know, the, the I don't want to slag off what for players. But one player who I was a little bit disappointed with today uh, was James Garner. Uh, I think it was his, perhaps it was his. Uh, Poorest game in a Watfordshire. I, I don't know his poorest too. Yeah, too harsh of a word. Say, but yeah. he, he he was giving balls a lot, uh, balls away left, right, and centre. Uh, he was obviously on a yellow card. He very very lucky man to stay on the pitch. The way that Tim Robinson was going off, I, I I wouldn't have been surprised if I assume what he was doing was after he'd booked in, he was waiting for a third foul from Garner. Luckily, he only made two. But the way that Tim Robinson was going on with the whistle, I, I, it wouldn't have surprised me if he would have brandished that second yellow card. But I think that, that wasn't his best display in a Watford shirt. 
uh, to date. Uh, and I, I think that's only going to make him stronger performances like that. We, we're not expecting him because he's from Man U to come in and be this superstar and what he will have games like that. But you, you so you, you would agree with me there, Ben, that Garner perhaps didn't have the best games there. Yeah, I, th- I thought on midfield, actually, all three of the midfield, I thought we was overrunning midfield first half. I thought we really struggled. I thought uh, Bournemouth dominated that midfield. We only had that one real chance, and that was from Parisio that we um, luckily stuck away. But yeah, I thought, I thought all midfielders were a bit yeah. poor first half. Um, but yeah, Garner was probably the worst of the three. Um, yeah. And yeah, he, he was walking a tightrope, wasn't he? he? He was still lunging in after he got booked and we was hoping that it was going to come to the half-time whistle and Ivic was going to take him off because we could not afford to go down to 10 men against Bournemouth because we would have ended up to lose in that game. Um, but luckily, Ivic, once again, if it's substitutions, I, I just think he's making the right substitutions at the right time. And the Isn't right it nice to have a manager that makes the right substitutions? This oh, was one that, of Nigel Pearson's downsides. Yeah, no, it's refreshing, isn't it? Uh, yeah. We've wanted this for a long time, but yeah. And to replace him with Kapu, I thought that oh, it, it God, instantly, yeah. second half, our midfield was so much better. We weren't getting overrun. Kapu was um, playing these through balls through to Saar and that. And we, we looked much more comfortable in midfield. Yeah, well, me and you spoke saying that, um, you know, James Garner needed to come off. Um, I was watching a game with my brother earlier on. Um, and we both said, whilst we were watching it, we need to take him off at half time. But would uh, Ivic do that? Um, we were a little bit worried that maybe Ivic wouldn't and would sort of maybe risk playing him a little bit further um, and then give Kapu sort of a few minutes later on because me and you spoke at length this morning, as I've said, and you perhaps, I said that I thought Kapu might start, but you made a very good point saying that maybe because Kapu, it was only his first few minutes against Blackburn. You perhaps thought it was a bit too early to maybe throw him in from, from the start. And I think you made a very good point. But I think 45 minutes under his belt is only going to help him. Uh, but talking of the second half, um, obviously we went 1-0 up in the break. You you just sort of knew that there was a vibe around that that game was not going to finish 1-0. Uh, unfortunately, it's not quite how we wanted it to end. Uh, when I said it wasn't going to finish 1-0 we did have enough chances to maybe put away to maybe make it 2-3-0. Uh, and I'm sure the players, whoever's on media duties for the Sky today, I don't know who he was, I didn't stay tuned long enough, but I'm sure they sort of echoed that. But Etienne Capu, when he came on, like you've just said, one of his first involvements was that ball through to Saar. Saar one-on-one. Uh, and I think he's, he's hit it and it's sort of gone, it sort of produced a, a brilliant save from Begovic. Uh, I think any other day that goes in and 2-0, it's a completely different story. But straight away, like we knew this was going to happen, but how refreshing is it to see the impact of Kapu straight away? Like That's what we're screaming for in that midfield. And I think he calms the rest of the midfield down, to be honest, Ben. Do you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think he calms everything down. I think he calms yeah. the forwards. I think he calms the defence a bit more. But yeah, Chalabar looks a totally different player when he's got Kapu next to him. Um, uh, I was going to get onto that. Yeah, yeah. Ma- makes him look so much better as a player, uh, Kapu does. Um, but yeah, great free ball to Saar. I, I, I just thought, I don't know about you, but I thought Saar hit that too clean. I thought he hit it too nice and yeah. it was straight at the keeper. Like, you, you kind of needed an Andre Gray through on that one where you kind of miss hit it and it goes <laughs> I know through what you mean, legs. Though. Yeah, I know what you mean because a lot of Andre Gray's goals, if you watch them back, he miss hits them. 
for example, Crystal Palace in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup two seasons ago, that ball over the top from Pereira, he didn't hit that clean arm, and he sort of hit it on the side of his boot, and it's gone in. Uh, I think he had a similar chance in the FA Cup semi-final against Wolves, which just went over, or Ruddy saved, I can't remember now. But he, he scuffed that as well. But yeah, I think he, he did hit it too clearly. Um, perhaps took a little bit longer as well. Like You could see that he was trying to open his body up and he was trying to position himself to sort of curl it. But, you know, on another day that goes in. But I think what what that says a lot about is you look at the chances we've had today, We've had a lot of chances, but we haven't taken them. Um, and we, we produced some good saves from Begovic. Uh, whereas Blackburn, we were totally outrun by Blackburn. And the limited chances we did have, we did take them. So I think it was the opposite today. Whereas, yes, we, we, we started poorly. And we had the same chances, but we didn't take them. And that is the key in the championship. If you have as many, if you're presented a chance, you have to take it. I think you can sort of get away with it a little bit in the Premier League, but in the champion, in the championship, it's ruthless. You have to take those chances when you get them. Um, so it was disappointing to see him miss that one, but a, a good save from uh, from Begovic. I can't really argue with that. But again, uh, you, you touched on it a little bit earlier, Ben. Um, Saar went through again. I think it wasn't long after. And Lloyd Kelly brought him down. He pulled his shirt right on the edge of the box. The referee said, no, play on. But you see the replay and he's pulled it down. The, it raises the question again, how did Lloyd Kelly stay on that pitch? Like, it, it, it's just frustrating to say. I don't want to harp on about it, you know, but it is very frustrating to say. Uh, who knows who could have... Who, who would, in fact, if, if the referee would have given that, bearing in mind James Garner's not on the pitch, who's taking that free kick for you? At this point, was Quinner on the pitch? Because um, no. if so, I, no. Um, I don't think he was, no. You'd probably have someone like Tom Cleverley over it, wouldn't you? Yeah, possibly. Um, you mentioned Quinner there as well. He came on for... Well, he, Tom he was fantastic when he came on. He was absolutely... Very brilliant. lively. That was his best performance so far this season. Uh, yeah. we, we've spoke about at length uh, last season. We were sort of maybe screaming out for him. Season before, when he made a couple of appearances, we thought, why is he not playing more? He plays this season, played a couple of times, and we've maybe thought, eh, you know, not not great, but not really bad. But today was his best performance. Uh, I think it was right to bring off Tom Cleverley on a yellow card as well. A very passionate player likes to get stuck in, but his legs were tired. I think that's what... Yeah what made him pick up the yellow card to be honest it was a very late challenge uh, and he's played a lot of games and he's not getting any younger but Domingos Quina come on and straight away he was causing problems uh, he had that sh- shot which forced a very unorthodox save from Begovic but I, I thought he was absolutely superb it, would you maybe risk would you actually start him on Tuesday against Wickham Ben or would you, would you stick with maybe uh, well, Cleverland it was very lively and hungry when he came on. I think he staked a right good claim to start uh, Wednesday night. You probably maybe think you might rest for likes of Cleverly now, who's playing further forwards. Uh, I would like to see Kapu start as well. So maybe like a midfield three of Kapu and Chalabar and uh, Quinner in the number 10 role. Because we've seen Quinner this season. He's been played out wide a few times. But today when he came in, 
came on, he slotted in that number 10 role and he was finding all those uh, pockets of space and yeah. he was driving with a ball and shooting from distance and made uh, got two good saves out of Begovic as well. He was unlucky not to score one of them, I'd say. Um, so, yeah, I think he deserves to start against uh, Wickham on when, uh, Tuesday. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what sort of side we put out. Uh, I don't think Ivic wanted to use Pedro, which we'll get onto in a little bit, but unfortunately he had to because of circumstances. But I think I, we, I speak on most on behalf of most Watford fans here when I when I say this, the more chances we had, and the more they were being saved or we didn't score, you just knew, didn't you, Ben? You just knew that this game was. It, you just knew what was going to happen. Like we were knocking on the door. Begovic was pulling out saves. Uh, we had a couple of half chances which didn't really go off, but it just pointed to the inevitable. I think. Um, Obviously, Parizzo unfortunately come off. I thought he had a decent game. You know, he, after his goal, he, he perhaps wasn't as, as threatening as you, you'd perhaps like him to be. But I, I, we didn't really utilise him that much. I think today we very much utilised the right-hand side. I thought Ngakia had another brilliant game. Saar had a brilliant game. But, um, yeah, with, with Pedro coming on, um, Quinner had that shot which was, again, awkwardly saved by Begovic. And then I thought Pedro had actually followed it in. Uh, well, firstly, I thought he'd sort of parried it into his own net. But then I thought Pedro had followed in, but it wasn't to be. Um, but, yeah, um, you just knew with all these half chances, something was going to happen. Uh, and lo and behold, Bournemouth get a corner late on. I want to get your view on something now, Ben. When that corner comes in, do you think Foster has to do better there than just try and punch it? Do you think he has to try and catch it? Or do you, are you not having that for one minute? What What are your thoughts on, on the goal that we conceded in the 95th minute, I think it was? Uh, it was just so deflating, wasn't it? Um, to concede so late on. Um, but it was coming. Bournemouth were knocking on the door. And they yeah. finally found the breakthrough which they needed with like it was a corner there was two crosses in I don't think we cleared the first ball terrifically well it came back out they managed to cross it back in again you could maybe think did Foster really need to come for that second ball Um, because he was in no man's land after he came for it and then his positioning was out for when um, they managed to tuck it away and yeah you maybe point a little bit of fingers at Foster but look what he did um, Wednesday night to win us those points you can't really blame him too much um, but you just knew that was going to happen against Bournemouth Bournemouth every time we play them like we've said the decisions always go Bournemouth ways um, I don't know whether the EFL have, have all got private apartments down Sandbanks which is just <laughs> around the corner from Bournemouth I wouldn't be surprised if they do if they have all their that's where their head office is because um, it does seem a bit surprising that every time we play Bournemouth not one decision goes Watford's way Um but hey, it, it don't matter. Um, let, let's just um, stop talking about the ref now. Um, it was a good performance from Watford overall. It, it was almost a perfect performance, wasn't it? It was so close. It was just, there was too many minutes added on it for the final whistle, wasn't it? <laughs> Do you know what? As, as, as the minutes were creeping closer to 90, I'd thought, this isn't going to be your normal four or five minutes. No, 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 no this is going to be something ridiculous like six or seven. And to be fair, I can perhaps understand where they've got it from because there was a lot of stoppages, a lot of niggly fouls. Um, Both teams made all three subs. Um, And 
yeah, I, I can sort of understand where they may have got sort of seven minutes from, but that I think that confirmed it for me. When that board was held up by uh, Charles Breakspear and it said seven minutes, I just knew that Bournemouth were going to equalise. Um, it, it was a case of when, not if. Yeah. Very, very disappointing to concede in the manner that we did because I think we've looked solid defensively all season. And it, it was a very poor, sloppy goal to, to give away. But in hindsight, would you have taken a draw before the game, knowing the form that the two teams were in? Yeah. Um, but once the game had played out, would you have taken a draw? Probably not, no, because we had enough chances to sort of finish it off. And I think Ben Foster alluded to that in, in last uh, in Wednesday's game, saying, you know, against Blackburn, we could have gone four, five, six, one up at one stage. Uh, and we, we need to start finishing teams off when, when we get the chances. And whether that will happen when Andre Gray comes back in the mix, Troy Deeney, we've still got Will Hughes to come back. So, uh, listen, it, it's still very early days. Uh, I suppose the main thing is we've come out with a point against a very good Bournemouth side who I expect are going to be up there this season. Uh, it would surprise me a lot if they're not. Uh, and don't forget as well, Bournemouth and Reading are now the only teams, two teams that haven't lost this season. So, you know, Bournemouth haven't lost and sort of before the game, you look at it and you look at the result and you think, OK, I'm in hindsight, that, that's a decent result. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, it, it does feel like a, a bit of a sucker punch. It's a bit like, you know, when we're on the plus side, say we've scored in the last minute and equalised, it feels like you've won. But you have it happen to you and, you know, it, it feels like you, you've just lost, I don't know, an FA Cup final sort of thing. It, it is absolutely gutting. Uh, I don't know how this has just sprung to my mind or, or what, but one game in particular that sticks out for me purely because I was there, I think it was around 2008 um, at Ashton Gate. John Eustace scored in the last minute and we drew 1-1. Uh, and I was there with my old man and that felt like we won. So, you know, the, these last-minute goals do feel like a massive sucker punch. But at least we didn't lose. That's the main thing. And we now go into, I'm going to call it a tricky game, Ben. I don't know if you'll agree with me that far. But we go into a tricky game, Adams Park, uh, away at Wickham. Um, and it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how we line up. Uh, and I don't think it's going to be as easy as people think, you know. Well, Wickham haven't really started the season very well, but as we were recording this Saturday afternoon, um, Wickham are currently playing, it's like the 70th minute, and they're actually drawing 1-1 away at Norwich. Um, yeah. So maybe they're, they're starting to get some performances together and maybe getting their first points of the season. But yeah, it's going to be very tricky to go there still. Um, I'm not having... Um, Oh, they've came up from League One. They shouldn't even be in the Championship. They're not good enough. Um, yeah. They they deserve to get promoted last season. Um, Gareth Ainsworth has done a terrific job to get them up from League Two um, to the Championship. It's it's going to be tough. I think we're going to see a rotated squad again. Um, yeah. But I think we've, we've definitely got enough in our squad to get a result. Yeah, absolutely. I think with Wickham as well, it's a little bit of the unknown. Like They've come up when they were sort of tipped to go down to League Two um, last season and now they're in the Championship. It sort of reminds me of the 05-06 season when we were tipped to go down to League One, but we ended up getting promoted to the Premier League. So it's a little bit of the unknown. Uh, and I was speaking, uh, we, 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 do, we did speak to a Wickham fan, which we'll, uh, 
we'll get onto in a little bit. But I did speak to uh, Tom Hancock from the Chairboys Central, which is a Wickham fan page on Twitter. I'll, we'll obviously tag the um, the Twitter handles appropriately on uh, on Twitter when this tweet goes out. But I was sort of DMing him before our interview that we had with him, and he says that they they were very unlucky to to lose against Reading for one. So to go to Reading, and I believe it was at Reading as well, um, and sort of put up a good fight against them, shows intent. Um, they were very lucky to lose the first game of the season as well. And then I think they lost to Millwall the other week, and they had a goal ruled out for a foul on the goalkeeper, which was very ridiculous. Sort of minuscule. Like, I've, I've not seen the challenge, but uh, apparently, like you said, there was Benny, no challenge. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, so no, there's no challenge at all. Ref just blew because the goalkeeper lost his footing in the six-yard box. He, he thought a Wickham player was near him. He was nowhere near him. The Wickham yeah. player was about two meters away. Well, it, it is going to be very, very interesting. And as always on this show, we did speak to Tom Hancock from the Chairboys Central um, about the game on Tuesday night and maybe what to expect from Wickham. Uh, and this is what we said. <laughs> So I want to start with last season, um, obviously coming up from the League One. Now, it was a bit of a topsy-turvy season, I'm, I'm imagining. I'm hoping you'll be able to shed a bit more light onto it. But from my research, you finished third last year with a little bit of help from the points-per-game yeah. system. Um, but in all seriousness, you, you must have been doing well to be in and around those playoff spots to even earn you that points per game that would lift you into third. And then not only did you get into the playoff spots, which I'm sure you won't mind me saying is a massive achievement for a team like Wickham, you then went and sort of got one foot further and you ended up winning uh, the whole of the playoffs and therefore getting promoted to the, the championship. So if you can... Can you sum up last season in, in a nutshell at all? I mean, yeah, it was crazy. Um, I definitely went far beyond anyone's expectations. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when, th- when things, um, you know, we were top of the league at Christmas. We'd only lost two games between the start of the season and then. Um, it was a bit stuttery around Christmas and into the new year. But uh, we weren't in free fall as uh, fans of certain clubs would have it. Um, when it came to the season being suspended, we were kind of stuttering a bit, but we were picking up enough results and had quite a favourable run-in. Um, I think there was every chance we would have got into the top two and definitely into the playoffs had the season played out. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was. Um, it's still kind of hard to sum it up because obviously it happened and then you're very quickly into a championship season as well. And uh, There wasn't really a lot of processing time either. But um, yeah, I think... Uh, I must admit, going into the playoffs, I didn't expect us to win it. I didn't expect, I don't think anyone expected, um, yeah, it, it expected us to go up, you know, as the season was playing out as normal. But um, it also wasn't a surprise when we did. And uh, actually, when we came out, battered Fleetwood 4 1 in the first leg, I think uh, I think a lot of people then kind of thought, actually, yeah, this might be our year. We might actually do this. And, uh, yeah, I think for all this talk that it was undeserved, uh, which is a load of rubbish, um, you know, we, we took the chance, basically. Yeah, we had a little help from, I mean, actually, I think it's unfair to say we had help from points per game. That's how the season was decided. And, you know, there was no other way to decide it. Yeah. 
Yeah, like you say, you know, the, the, the playoffs is such a lottery. Uh, you know, you could be the most informed team all season and still losing the playoffs. But as you said, you obviously felt a lot more confident after thrashing Fleetwood in that first uh, first leg. Now, it does remind us Watford fans of uh, a certain 2005-2006 season because we were actually favourites to go down mm-hmm. that season. And then A.D. Boothroyd come in and sort of turned the ship in the other direction. We ended up winning the playoffs. So, yeah, but like you said as well, there's not much turnaround time. Usually you've got, you know, a fair few weeks to sort of process it, let it sink in, and then you're back into pre-season where everything sort of just happened really quickly. So completely understand where you're coming from with that. Now, in terms of building a squad for the championship, if my research has served me correctly, I've counted that you've brought in nine players in the transfer window. Um, now, one of those in particular, which will ring bells uh, of many Watford fans, is Uche Pizu. Uh, he used to play for Watford. What do you think of your yeah. overall transfer activity? Um, so, I mean, it's 13 players in total. And some of them are kind of brought in as development players for a B-team programme. But really, that is part of the squad. And one of them, uh, Anis Mimetti, who we picked up on a free from Norwich. He's already come into the first team. But uh, yeah, overall, um, the only disappointment was that we didn't get another left back in. The other thing is, Gareth Ainsworth won't ever, you know, he'll never sign a player for the sake of it. They've got to fit the culture. They've got to be the right character as well as the right kind of player. Um, So if the players that we did want weren't available, we weren't going to sign players that we didn't want just for the hell of it. Uh, but yeah, overall, I think we strengthened everywhere we needed to. Um, and people might look at it and go, well, there's not a lot of championship experience there. Well, that cost a lot of money. Um, we were never going to spend money we didn't have. Um, it's about the long-term sustainability is the most important thing. And I think worst case scenario, we go down, we have a strong squad for League One next season. Um, but on recent performances, we've got enough, I think, to, you know, scrap and stay in this division um and overall yeah i think it's a decent window piazzi has been missing for he has had two sub appearances so far came on in the second game got injured again came back on saturday hopefully he's all good to go now and uh should feature again on tuesday but probably not from the start um dennis and around and josh knight who are on loan from everton and leicester uh, midfielder and center back have been really impressive um, so instant impact and that's not surprising we've had some great loanies down the years we had Alfie Morton and Ever Eze in League 2 um, and yeah uh, who else actually, Daryl Horgan is a, you know, some say he's kind of the best most technical player sort of best quality um, that Wickham have ever signed he's yet to sort of absolutely light it up but it's coming in the uh, he's a full international for the top 30 country Ireland which is unusual for us we've never had a player of that kind of caliber um just making sure i haven't really missed anyone because i don't like singling people out but also if i'm going through the signings i don't want to kind of yeah david stockdale as a backup keeper as well that's another good option to have he was here on them last season so it's quite natural um jason mccarthy came back players tend to go to millwall and then come back to wickham if you get another one um yeah i you know there was a bit of negativity about it. People often go, well, why haven't we got a proven championship striker in and stuff? And to that, you can only say, well, you say cost millions. And yeah. there are very few of them in the championship every season and they go for big money. 
But yeah, sure, I think, yeah, we've done well. I think we've done well, and uh, also you can't forget the players that you know, players that got us here are going to be crucial as well. Keeping the culture together is as important as strengthening. Yeah, well, I'm going to ask you um, in, in a little bit who, who your danger man for Wickham will be. So it might be someone yeah. that's already here or it might be one of the new guys. But before I do that, I just want to talk a little bit about this season so far. Um, now, uh, you, you've you've been unlucky from what I understand. I'm just looking at your results here. You obviously started the season um, in the League Cup against Brentford and lost on penalties. Uh, I, I watched that game very briefly. I remember it was quite a, quite a scrappy, tight affair. So, you know, Wickham put up a good show yeah. considering that Brentford had just missed out in the playoffs. Um, and I'm just reading through some of the results. You lost 1-0 to um, Rotherham on the opening day. You lost 5-0 to Blackburn, but I believe you had a red card early on. 2-0 to Swansea, 2-0 to Luton. Um, lost 2-1 to Millwall and there was a ridiculous um, goal ruled out for you guys. Uh, still to this day, don't know what the referee saw there. Um, you lost 1-0 to Reading and then you lost 2-1 to Norwich. Now, the two in particular I want to pick up that on there is the Reading game and the Norwich game. Now, I obviously haven't watched those in their entirety, but the stats and the scoreline would suggest that they were very tight games against two top, top teams. And social media certainly had it that you were very much in the game at Reading and were perhaps a better team for large spells. Now, bear in mind of those performances that you've had and bear in mind the results that you've had without sort of making it a stupidly obvious question. What are your aims for this season? Is it literally just to stay up or maybe push to mid-table? Is there basically, is there more to what you've had performance-wise so far, do you think, to come from Wickham? Or? Um, I think we've definitely grown into the division. I mean, opening day, we should have won. We wasted chances. We were our own worst enemy. Um, then we fell apart at Blackburn, completely outclassed. Um, the same for the first half against Swansea. And since then, it's got better. But yeah, the, the last three games, Millwall, Reading and Norwich in particular, we look, we've competed. And uh, yesterday was easily our best performance so far. Um, you know, survival's got to be the aim. I wouldn't expect to finish any higher than 21st, to be completely yeah. honest. Um, just because, you know, there are very, there's not really any bad teams in this division. Um, it'll be about dragging others into a scrap. Obviously, we need that result sooner rather than later. But uh, yeah, you, you don't want to kind of blame officials every week. But yesterday, it wasn't even a case of Norwich being wasteful or. Um, you know anything like that we we really were in the game they had a lot of shots but they were mainly half chances because we kept it down to that um and then i'm sure you've seen the decision for the free kick at the end yeah and no one watching that it was yeah i i, I yeah i don't need to go back you know it was a dive he stamped on our player we shouldn't yeah um that really was a bit of a sickener yesterday because we did go there and we, we were we were probably the better team for the best part of an hour. Uh, against Reading, we didn't create quite enough going forward, which you need to against a defence as strong as that. And uh, yeah, they won it with a bit of quality. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's an odd mix of frustration and sort of encouragement that we are playing so well and these things just aren't going for us. And uh, 
you know, a two-one loss to Norwich in normal circumstances, you know, say they just scored a screamer at the end to win it, that would have been hard to take. You'd maybe have accepted it, but yeah, it was. You kind of think what more can go wrong and what's going to be ruled out next or given next. Um, but yeah, certainly the last, the last two games, certainly we've been well in the game, and uh, feel like we're at this level now. But we do need something because, you know, it's still seven defeats from seven. And hopefully that is down to the fact that we've been growing into it and uh, it, well, you know, we can come to look back on it as a run of form rather than not being good enough. But uh, yeah, I certainly think we're good enough. And uh, yeah, we've just got to keep hanging in there and they will do. But yeah. we do need something sooner rather than later. Yeah, no, listen, we, we know the championship. I know we've been in the Premier League for five years, but before that, you know, off the top of my head, I don't know how many years it was, but um, it was a fair few years. So, you know, the championship, as you say, it doesn't matter how you get the results. It's it's getting the results that matter. And listen, we could talk at length about refereeing decisions that have gone against us because it's happened yeah. to both our teams this weekend. <laughs> so it's going to be very, very interesting, I think, oh, yeah. on Tuesday night. But... Um, Turning our attention to said Tuesday night game, um, in terms yeah. of the Wickham squad, who should Watford fans be sort of keeping an eye out for? Who, who would you say your danger man is? I mean, this is kind of, you know, after Saturday, it was impossible to single anyone out. I mean, Scott Kashkit has got both goals so far. They've not been spectacular at all. But, um, you know, he's an absolute pain who will run at defenders and uh, try and force mistakes out of them. Um, it's going to be slightly different going up against the back three. So I think we will stick with two up front. We actually played David Wheeler, usually a winger, up front on Saturday as a target man with uh, Ikpiazu and Akin Temple both on the bench. And you wouldn't know it from looking at him, but he's as good in the air as either of those two. Um, and just really accurate flick-ons as well. It's not simply knocking it down and holding it up. It's trying to create something with his head, which is not something you see particularly often from... Not in the way that he does it anyway. It's not he's not your typical target man because he's what five eleven and sort of uh yeah not what you call a unit by any means. <laughs> Say the winger. Um, there's that. You've Fred on your dimmer has looked right at home in the last couple of games. He's played in this division a lot for Mill before. It took him a little while to get going, but uh, yeah. he's come close with a couple of decent efforts. He'll um, probably play from the left and cutting in Daryl Horgan on the right as well um, it, it may well be a 4-4-2 but it was kind of a narrow 4-4-2 on Saturday um, and then Joe Jacobson I'm sure you know plenty about who oh, yes. will shoot from corners <laughs> and uh, yeah um, I know, you know how ruthlessly organised Ibich likes his teams to be and you've got to be to you know, avoid sort of being a bit embarrassed by that he nearly did it again on Saturday. Um, and yeah, Anthony Stewart, who was man of the match in the playoff final, it just produced another ridiculous performance on Saturday. He's just always in the right place at the right time. So it might look like we were on the ropes, but for last ditch defending, that there's few better than him. And uh, yeah, I think it's not so much a case of individual danger men. I think it is. It's easy to say you've got great team spirit, but there's something else here. And, um, you know, we are pretty great than some of our parts. And, uh, yeah, I, I just hope we produce what we did on Saturday again. And yeah. maybe, yeah, maybe the little odd moment of magic. But, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting. Uh, it's interesting you, you point out Fred's uh, on your dimna, uh, if I've pronounced that correctly, because I think a few Watford fans, myself included, still sort of had have nightmares when you hear his name because he um, he put in an absolute blinder of a performance back in 2016-17 season when we played Millwall in the FA Cup and we lost at the at the Den, and uh, mm. he was definitely a standout player. And I think uh, not long after that we were actually linked with him ourselves. So it's going to be very interesting. Now, I know you say you can't pick out individual players. Um, is there an individual player for Watford that you're sort of worried about? Or, again, is it a, a collective few? Who, who is it you're looking at that Watford team? And granted, we don't know what the starting eleven will be because there was quite a bit of rotational coming to play now with the fixtures coming mm-hmm. thick and fast. But is there anyone in particular that you, you're looking at that team and you're thinking, please, God, don't play against us? <laughs> Yeah, uh, Ishmael's start terrified, isn't he? Um, because only the last game I went to before lockdown was Watford Liverpool. Oh, okay. um, and he is probably the fastest player I've ever seen in the flesh. And that's on the same pitch as Stadio Mane. Um, if, had he, yeah, had he played out wide, well, had he played out wide, I'd be scared because Joe Jacobson has next to no pace. And, you know, it, He's a quality player who, with pace alone, could beat him. But he played, I think, more of a second striker against Bournemouth, didn't he? And, he certainly uh, did, yeah. The fact that we we have to keep it extra tight because we, you know, we let slip just a touch, and that let Timmy Pukki through, who's not quick at all. If you do, if we did what we open up again, like we did for Norwich's goal, with someone with the pace of Saar, then we've got no chance. Um, and then Joel Pedro as well. We've already seen what he can do. Uh, that goal against Derby, I think, just shows that he doesn't need much opportunity. Um, you know, they'd be the main two at that end of the pitch, and then you know, Ben Foster's arguably the best keeper, and he probably is the best keeper in the division. Um, I suppose you can't really call a keeper a danger man, but yeah, you know what I mean. He's, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, um, you might get. Yeah, I don't think he's going to present Scott Gasket with a tap in by trying to cross turn him in his six yard box like Belkowski uh, did for Millwall the other week. No, it's going to be I very hope he does, but I Yeah, say. well, yeah. For, for your sake, you hope he does. But uh, yeah, we, we've sort of banished that style of football now. There was a couple of times last season where he got caught short, I think, against the Yang against Arsenal. And I think the instruction to, to Fozzie now is when you get it back to you, just lump it up the pitch. None of this tippy sappy stuff. So yeah, yeah fingers crossed that doesn't happen. Um, in regards to, uh, you know, a, a question which every fan, you know, sort of braces themselves for, myself included, if you was to have a score prediction, what, what, what do you reckon the score is going to be on Tuesday night? I'm going to, well, I think I'm going to look at the fact that you tend to try and from what I've seen, Watford will try to sit on a lead. Um, yeah. Although what happened at the weekend might kind of change the thought process a bit there. But let's go one all again and hope that we recover. I, yeah, I'm going to say we do go down, but uh, we bounce back like we did at the weekend. And then maybe have a winner disallowed, but that's better than uh, <laughs> that. Finally. That'd mean that the officials have to do way. their job. That if if you have a, a goal disallowed, that means they'd have to do their job this week. So, fingers crossed. But um, yeah, um, That's I, yeah, I'll take I'll take one on one. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, you know, I think from a Watford point of view, I think a lot of people are thinking, we no, no disrespect to Wickham, but we've really got to be going there and picking up three points. But me and Ben, my, my co-host, oh, yeah, have, yeah. have constantly said all season that no game is an easy three points in this division. doesn't matter if you've lost your first six, your first seven. No team is an easy easy game in this division. So we're well aware of the threat. Um, and then we always ask the uh, the fans that come on this show um, to finish on this. Um, your three who you think are going to go up and then your three to go down will mix it up this week. If you start with telling okay. us your three to go down first and then give us your three to go up afterwards. Okay, let's go Sheffield Wednesday, Barnsley. Rotherham. Oh, okay. Yeah, I feel bad saying that because I like Rotherham, but uh, I've got to have someone going down ahead of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bit disappointed it wasn't Luton there, Tom. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not going to happen to go up either. <laughs> Who are you three to go up? I'm going to say Reading. I know it's early, but looking at how, if they can add a bit more going forward, yeah, that's a seriously solid team. Um, Watford, again, on the same... I'm going to go Reading Watford for the automatics. Yep. I think, you know, maybe you could solidify a bit more, but I don't know. I, I think Ibich could maybe scare you into going up. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, playoff winner, let, let Brentford to uh, finally get it done. Okay. Very, very interesting picks there, especially to go down. Uh, I, I get what you mean with Rotherham, though. They, they are your classic yo yo team at the moment. Um, and I, I do think, although well, Sheffield. Yeah. Well, wins, I, so, yeah. I do think Yeah, that... no, I like Rotherham. I think they've got a lot of parallels with us and I know Wednesday have the points deduction, but I'm hoping they uh they get close to getting back into what we've got them at the weekend as well, so maybe we can have crack on there. Yeah. Yeah, well it's gonna be very, very interesting to uh, to see what happens on Tuesday night. So fingers crossed, um it, it's it's not too much of a pacing for you guys and fingers crossed for us it's it, it's not a defeat because I tell you it, I can guarantee now no Watford fan is looking at that thinking it's an easy three points so it's going to be very very interesting to uh, see the outcome of that but uh, thank you uh, for, for coming on the show today and uh, best of luck for the rest All of the right. season just not for this Tuesday and then the reverse fixture uh, the rest of the season you can do you can do bloody amazing for all I care uh, and as long as you don't finish above us as well uh, but yeah no thank you very much for, for coming on the um, fan page that Tom runs uh, we're going to tag Tom's um, personal Twitter handle and then the, the page that Tom runs um, will be on there as well so uh, check both of them out guys but uh, yeah thanks very much for coming on Tom really do appreciate it no worries thanks for that no problem <laughs> So yes, a very very interesting insight there from a from a Wickham camp. But I, I do think Ben just just going off that. I, I think I know I said it before the interview was just played there, but I do think any Watford fan sitting there thinking it's an easy three points, they'd be stupid to do so because these are the games that really sort of show your resolve. Uh, and obviously, as we record this, you know we they may well go on to win or they may go well go on to lose but 
I, I just think that we, we can't sit there and we definitely can't turn up thinking it's going to be a, an easy three points. So it, it's going to be very, very interesting. But if we can get three points there, then who knows what the table will look like come the end of it. Because obviously, before all the three o'clock games today, uh, we were sitting second. Um, and who knows what it's going to look like at, at 5pm today. But um, we, we could well be up there again on, on Tuesday. And we're on Sky again as well. And we... This season, we've we've tended to do quite well on Sky. Um, so, who knows? It's going to be very, very interesting. And it's also going to be interesting to see what, what type of team we put out as well, as you say, Ben. But, um, but yeah, uh, it, it's always great, obviously, speaking to you for, for these podcasts. But I just can't help but feel really deflated. Like, I know we've picked up a point, and a point against Bournemouth, as I've said, he... he in hindsight, is a good result, but it's in the manner of the way that we got the point, uh, which is very, very disappointing because it could have easily been all three. Um, but hopefully, Ben, next time we are back on the podcast, um, we will be speaking about the Barnsley game, which is going to take place on Halloween. Uh, and we'll be talking about that Barnsley game and looking ahead to the home game against Stoke. Um, don't forget as well, guys, because the Wickham game is on a Tuesday night, it's midweek, which means that the reaction is going to be on Instagram Live. Uh, hopefully it's going to be myself and Ben. Um, obviously, Ben being a, a, a new father, um, it's a little bit more difficult for you, Ben, uh, to get those sort of midweeks and sort of get Isla off to sleep and, and join me but hopefully we'll do everything in our power for me and Ben to be on the Instagram live failing that it will just be myself like last week but uh, yeah as it's a midweek game our reaction to that will be on Instagram live we do also keep the videos up on our Instagram as well so if you've got a bit of spare time and you want to hear our thoughts on the Black, well my thoughts on the Blackburn game head over to our Instagram and it is on there as well so, uh, so go and check that out and drop it a follow as well if you don't already but uh, yeah, Ben, thank you very much for joining me on this uh, on this Saturday afternoon. And it's a shame we couldn't discuss uh, a victory, but let's hope the next podcast, post Barnsley, we uh, we can talk about a victory, eh? Yeah, definitely. It was a shame we couldn't get the three points, but if, like we said at the start of the show, if, if you offered us a point, I think we would have taken it. Bournemouth for a good side have managed to keep hold of lots of good players. But yeah, it's time to dust ourselves down and go to Adams Park and pick up three three important points to carry on our promotion push. This is it, man. This is where the, the championship really comes into its own. The, the Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, the thick and fast. This is where the players are going to earn their crust. So, yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens on that Tuesday night. But don't forget to join us on Instagram Live and then tune in next Saturday as well. Uh, when we're going to be discussing the, uh, the Halloween fixture. Uh, hopefully it's not a, too much of a spooky result on Halloween in Barnsley. Uh, I had to, had to creep that in there. had to get it done. But uh, as always, from myself, Mike Duffy, and my co-host, Ben Aston, thank you very, very much for joining us. Don't forget to like and retweet the tweet where the podcast is out. Uh, help us spread awareness. And if you've got Watford supporting mates that don't know who we are, you know, send them the podcast and hopefully we can, uh, we can get more listeners as well. So thank you very, very much as always for tuning in guys. We hope you have enjoyed your weekend as you listen to this, have a very good rest of the week and stay safe in these unprecedented times. But as always, come on your horns, hopefully three points on Tuesday.
Podcast Network.